the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were given to the average American, the rich would have their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a really great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once it's in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So let's supercharge your wealth building plan now with Jim McAleese. Welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic, and Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. During the coming months, we have great excuses to the outside, you know, the outside is just beautiful. The fall is coming. It's gotten heavier until the 22nd, I guess, officially. Uh, but it's a great time of the year. Spring and, and fall are probably the best times of the year. You know, they're nice and consistent. And uh, after all, we have to be outside anyhow. You know, we got to get the house ready for winter. In uh, northeast Ohio, we always have to assume that the winters are going to be hard. So... You know, we can consult the farmer's almanac or maybe even the woolly bear. But regardless of the predictions, you still have to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. And that's just like life. And while we're puttering around the backyard or figuring out what we're going to do with a house, except a house for the winter, we can find the time to check on the economy and how it's affecting our investments. But before we do that, let's remember that tomorrow... America remembers and pays tribute to the over 3,000 victims of the 9-11 terrorist attacks. You know, on that day, attacks with fully loaded jetliners crashed into the World Trade Center towers, crashed into the Pentagon, and they crashed into a field near Shanksville, Pennsylvania, after a heroic fight between the passengers and the terrorists. The memorial services will be held September 11th at the September 11th Memorial in uh, Lower Manhattan, and it'll mark the 21st anniversary of the attack. Every year, the church bells uh, throughout the city, they toll uh, at uh, 8.46 a.m., and that's to mark the moment the uh, first airplane struck the World Trade Center. So today... Let's take the time, and tomorrow, let's take the time to remember those whose lives were cut short by the terror attacks and be thankful that uh, 
be thankful for our loved ones, cherish them even more. And uh, there'll be, I'm sure there'll be memorial services throughout the area uh, to commemorate the, the attack. And let's take the time to to, to <clears throat> think of the people who did lose their did lose their lives and really cherish the people that we have uh, still here. So, and let's take also, and while we're thinking about that, let's also return to our uh, immediate goal, and that is thinking about the economy and the equity markets. This week, global equity markets were mostly up. In the United States, the three major stock indices were up for the week. Well, in the UK, the FTSE was up, FTSE 100 was up, and in the European Union, Germany's DAX and the stock Europe 600 were both up for the week. And in Asia, Japan's uh, Nikkei 225 was up, and in China, both the Shanghai Composite and the Hong Kong Hang Seng uh, were both up for the week. So, and overall, the, the markets were up on Friday. The three major U.S. stock indices closed at, uh, the Dow Jones closed at 32,151.71. That was up uh, 2.66% for the week. A uh, standard and poor 500 closed at 4,067.36, and that was up uh, 3.65%. That's I'll say it again, 3.65% for the week. And the NASDAQ closed at 12,112.31, and that was up 4.14% for the week. So uh, the stocks rose this week, starting Wednesday. That was a short week because of the uh, Labor Day uh, holiday. So starting Wednesday, uh, they started moving up, and they closed with their First weekly gain in a month. You know, market sentiment has been extremely negative for the past three weeks. And but it seems to have turned around now. And since the start of the year, basically markets have been weighed down by fears of uh, what the Federal Reserve was going to do in terms of their crusade and uh, tightening the, uh, uh, you know, the monetary policy. They've been uh, raising the federal funds rates. And uh, and they've also been uh, selling um, the bonds, the, the treasuries and uh, mortgage-backed uh, security bonds that they've accumulated, uh, you know, in uh, the, uh, uh, the quantitative easing during the, since 2008. So basically, the Federal Reserve is sitting on a treasure chest of something like uh, 8 or $9 trillion worth of bonds. So they're going to start to sell those. And this September, uh, they'll be selling about, and, and henceforth, from September on, uh, they'll be selling $95 billion a month in treasuries and mortgage-backed securities uh, from their balance sheets. So that's basically to suck the money out of the, <clears throat> of the economy, you know, to get it in place to, slow down inflation, and the other part of the Federal Federal Reserve is increasing the interest rates to slow the economy down and slow the demand down uh, to get it more in equilibrium with the supply of goods and services. Uh, But this week, the equity markets were up, you know, uh, there are several possible causes for it. Uh, One would be investors looking for bargains after three consecutive weeks of losses. Uh, another would be uh, earnings results pointed to the resilience among the U.S. corporations. Uh, you know, stocks rallied to, to uh, match weekly gains for shares of banks, manufacturers, and consumer discretionary firms. They all helped to lead the, the uh, charge. And uh, according to the Wall Street Journal article, uh, the uh, the market rally was broad. All 11 sectors of the Standard and Poor 500 posted weekly gains for the uh, first time since uh, February of 2021. So part of the response, I think, is due to the 
due to the fact that globally the U.S. is regarded as a safe haven, uh, a money mecca, so to speak. According to Larry Summers, who is a former Secretary of the Treasury, uh, the U.S. basically has a huge has huge advantages compared to the rest of the world, uh, and it basically draws investments uh, from around the world. One of the reasons is that uh, you know we're self sufficient in terms of energy. You know, uh, basically the U.S. is the largest oil producer in the world. Uh, we produce approximately. 16 million barrels of oil a day. And uh, so, you know, I think Zordia, the second second guy is Saudi Arabia. They can help produce about 11 million barrels a day. And then Russia comes along with about nine. So we're pumping at 16 million barrels of oil a day. Natural gas, we have more natural gas than we don't know what to do with. Uh, <clears throat> the big thing about both of these things, natural gas and oil, is is basically the pipelines. Uh, uh, getting it from one place to another place is uh, you got all these problems about uh, delays, and it takes probably in the order of seven years to get a uh, pipeline approved and and uh, yeah, started the digging. And also, we've got more coal than we know what to do with. Uh, we're exporting a lot of that to China. Uh, so we're self-sufficient in terms of energy, as opposed to other places around the world, uh, i.e., um, you know, Europe is going to suffer terribly. They're, they're putting on a, a good face. You know, they they're, they they say they have a plan, uh, you know, for this, uh, they're in this, uh, uh, this, War with uh, Russia, you know, and uh, basically uh, Russia is constraining the uh, gas to Europe. It's like Russia is standing on their air hose, uh, but they're putting on a good face anyhow. Uh, basically, Washington, another good point about the United States is Washington mounted a stronger fiscal and monetary response to the pandemic. And uh, Washington is now moving faster to tighten the monetary policy than than other countries around the world, and the uh, basically the U.S. dollar is the reserve currency of the world, and uh, the value of the dollar is up basically 11 percent since the start of the year. Uh, I remember uh, years ago uh, <clears throat> I, I was in uh, went to Europe and it was. Uh, the uh, euro versus the dollar. Uh, you had to pay one dollar and forty-five cents to buy a euro, and today it's uh, one dollar uh, and uh, one point zero zero four five dollars. Basically, a dollar per euro. They're at parity, and uh, and you take a look at the yen, the Japanese yen. Uh, right now, I think it's about 135 yen per dollar. It used to be 110 yen per dollar. So what you're saying is, is we're the <clears throat> basically the strongest economic country in the world. Presently, Europe is facing huge energy problems since the start of the Russian invasion of, uh, of Ukraine. And Russia's clamped down on the natural gas supplies to Europe until... Uh, they say until the, the Europe, European Union uh, revokes the sanctions, which is going to be never. Uh, and inflation at the uh, in the uh, European Union is now running at about eight point one percent. And the European Central Bank uh, they recently announced, I think it was Thursday, that they're increasing their interest rates by three quarters of one percent. They haven't increased their interest rates in a long period of time, but they're, they're starting to increase them now. And basically, everywhere around the world, the uh, central banks are, are uh, increasing the interest rates. In the UK, they've got a new uh, prime minister, uh, uh, Liz Truss, T-R-U-S-S. And of course, uh, everybody's heard that on Thursday, uh, they're 
queen, Queen Elizabeth II. She died uh, peacefully on uh, Thursday at age uh, 96. So, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the uh, Great Britain is having a new uh, transition in their monarchy over there. And the U.S. economy continues to rumble along. Uh, this week, the Federal Reserve published their beige book, in which the, the Federal Reserve uh, put the, the beige book as an assessment, mm-hmm. uh, the Federal Reserve's assessment of how the U.S. economy is performing. There's a lot of reports, government reports, that are coming out, that come out from the Department of Commerce with regard to the manufacturing and services and stuff like this. But this is the, the beige book comes out from the uh, Federal Reserve, uh, and uh, it consists of narratives from the uh, 12 uh, Federal Reserve Bank presidents, and they each talk about what's happening in their particular, the 12 sectors of the Federal Reserve. And it's published monthly, and it's published about two weeks before the Federal Open Market Committee meeting. Uh, this next one is scheduled for September 20th and 21st, so... Uh, the 21st is a Wednesday, so you'll probably hear about, we'll hear about what happened, what the Federal Reserve has decided to do in terms of interest rate increases on uh, probably midday on uh, Wednesday, the 21st of this month. And uh, basically, the, the Facebook is out there. They put it out two weeks before the Federal Open Market Committee meeting to kind of act as a, hey, this is the playbook, not the really the playbook. It's it's the status of uh, where we think that all sections of the US economy are. They talk use that as talking in their uh, particular uh leads. So we'll talk about that later in the show, the beige book. And investors are still concerned about the raising of the Federal Reserve uh uh Federal Reserve uh, rates and uh and also, that are really concerned about it because it's not just an academic interest. It's, hey, are they going to raise the rates so high that uh, we're going to have a recession? And if they do, how bad the recession going to be? And and if it's really bad, how much of that's going to affect earnings and stock prices? So uh, investors, according to Wall Street Journal articles, investors have hardened bets that the Federal Reserve will go big again after hawkish comments from other federal officials and their determination to cool inflation. <clears throat> that trend continued after the European Central Bank raised the rates on uh, Thursday by three-quarters of a percent, and the futures market showed that the federal hike of that size is almost fully priced in for later this month. So they're saying, according to the bond market, the, uh, it looks as if... Uh, when they meet, they'll declare another three quarters of a percent increase. Of course, it's not official until, you know, the 21st at midday when they announced what they finally did. Uh, according to the uh, chairman, Jerome Powell, Federal Reserve Chairman, he said, quote, uh, we need to act forthrightly, uh, strongly, as we've been doing. And these are remarks that he made Thursday at the uh, uh, Cato. Um, Institute's Monetary Policy Conference in Washington, quote, my colleagues and I are strongly committed to this project, and we will keep at it, unquote. So what the Federal Reserve is saying is that they're less concerned about the possible, you know, ramifications of what they're doing. they got to get inflation under control. And... uh, what they're seeing is the U.S. economy has fared well on a, so far with uh, steady consumer spending, even as the higher rates bite down on housing and investments. Uh, labor markets remain strong, and the unemployment rate is at 3.7%. And uh, in addition, uh, you know, this coming Tuesday, we'll hear from the Department of Labor and they'll give us their latest uh, inflation numbers. Uh, most predictions uh, show a decrease in uh, the inflation rate. You know, for instance, the last uh, 
CPI numbers we saw for July showed that uh, the uh, the all-in CPI number that includes both food and fuel, uh, the month-to-month, uh, uh, this is for July, the month-to-month variation was zero, and the 12-month uh, variation in inflation was 8.5%. It's expected or it's predicted that uh, uh, these numbers that we're going to get on Tuesday are going to show a decrease of one-tenth of a percent in a month-to-month uh, variation in inflation, and the 12-month number will come down to 8.0% uh, increase. So uh, if you remember in June, <coughs> excuse me, the 12-month uh, uh, number for inflation stood at 9.1, and then in July it came down to 8.5, and then you'll see the final number on Tuesday, but uh, they're predicting it's going to be around 8, which is all good. It's all moving in the right direction. And, of course, in other things we'll be talking about, uh, we'll be talking about the... Uh, the uh, the Institute of Supply Management uh, uh, Services Index, and uh, that index is basically showing that uh, the uh, service industries were kind of flat uh, in August. Uh, they went from uh, they come up with it in the case of these uh, Institute of Supply Management, and also in the standard of poor global. Uh, indices. There's the two organizations who put out numbers for manufacturing, and that came out last week, and also this week they put out numbers for the service industries. And what it shows is that the the uh, the Institute of Supply Management, the service industries were kind of flat uh, during August. whereas the Standard & Poor Global Services Index <clears throat> showed that uh, there was a big decrease from uh, July to August. So uh, we'll talk about that later in the show and, and uh, get into that discussion. So, uh, you know, in all this talk and, uh, about what's going on in the economy, it's wonderful to see the markets are up. And... Uh, but uh, the real big question in, 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 in all our, our planning is our own financial plan, where we stand with regard to our goals and uh, how we're going to meet these goals. <clears throat> it's a long-term project. Uh, it's, not, it's easy enough to, to identify the goals. It's easy enough to say, okay, I'm going to need retirement money when I'm 65 or 68 or whatever. And you know when the kids are going to go to school, when they're going to go to college. Now you've got some ideas about uh, uh, when you're going to buy a house, and you've got some ideas about your standard of living and all the rest of the stuff. Uh, and uh, it's, a, it's a, a matter of uh, taking a look at your income and allocating your income uh, to different uh, uh, assets and investments to be able to generate. Uh, the money that you need in the future uh, using compound interest to get to the point where uh, you've got the money when you when you become 65 or 68 to retire. Uh, and it's one of those things where you make a general plan at the start. You, you think about how much you can afford to put away, how much the company is putting into your 401k. Uh, uh, how it's going to grow, you make assumptions. And assumptions are generally good in terms of long-term assumptions. You know, right now we're going through dramatic fluctuations in the stock and bond markets, but over a period of time, uh, the, the, the averages are pretty consistent. So to me, uh, matter, it's a matter of sitting down and taking a look at your financial situation your plans. If you're if you're just getting out of school, it's a matter of uh, uh, you want an apartment and you want a car. 
uh, then if you uh, get older, then you're looking at uh, settling it down and uh, um, getting married and starting a family and all those complications in terms of uh, starting a family. If somebody's going to have to stay at home and and take care of the youngsters for a while to get things started, and then uh, the expenses. Uh, <laughs> the last number, the last numbers I saw were uh, a youngster uh, cost three hundred thousand uh, dollars. You know, to get from birth to eighteen, that doesn't include college or anything like that, and it really doesn't include the opportunities lost uh, while people are staying home watching the youngsters either. So to me, it uh, uh, all these things have to go into the financial plan. And basically, it's a matter of sitting down and talking and finding out what your real demands are, what your goals are, and being able at the end of that to be able to weigh one goal against the other. If you have a plan, and you suddenly say, "Well, there's a there's a house in in uh, Florida that I'd love. We should have a hard house in Florida." Okay, uh, well, that's great. The houses in Florida are beautiful; they cost a fortune. Uh, what are you going to give up to get there? So, if you got a plan, you can sit down and say, "Well, uh, I have to give up this." You get what I did with this new foible, this new shiny object that I want to buy. Uh, if you want to buy a boat, uh, what are you going to give up to uh, uh, in terms of your financial plan to get there? So uh, it's a matter of weighing all these uh, decisions you're going to make in terms of uh, money and what that's going to mean for the family goals and stuff like this. So to me, it's something we do for. You know, we've been done for the last 30 years. Plus, we're basically looking at, uh, you know, other things to protect it. You, while you're on this great plan uh, to get rich, you also have to look out for investments to make sure that uh, uh, some sort of an unforeseen catastrophe doesn't wipe you out, which is a matter of looking at property and casualty and also casualty insurance and also life insurance and also someday uh, after you get to halfway through that uh, or after you realize that that the money that you built up for retirement is to provide you with a secure uh, retirement well it's not going to go on forever and where's this money going to go when you pass on and that's part of uh, estate planning so uh, what does estate planning involve? Well, it's all those questions, you know, you, you can start to think about, and that's your, your uh, financial plan. So uh, you, you, you can give us a call and ask us questions here. If we have this toll-free number, it's 1-888-281-1110. That's 1-888-281-1110. 1110, and you can give us a call, and uh, we'll be glad to talk to you about anything. Uh, and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you who have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, however, Jim can't answer all your questions because of time restraints and the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstones Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, finding your next home, planning for retirement, finding the right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow with Jim Magalise.
Welcome back to Get Rich Grow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You give us a call over our gold free number, 1 888 Good morning, Jim. Before you get started, I wanted to let you know we had a caller. Um, Pearl gave us a call. She has a great question. She wants to know, will she need to take a required minimum distribution from her IRA or 401k if she goes back to work? Aha. Well, the 401ks are kind of a little different than the IRAs. But let's talk before then. Let's talk about the required minimum distributions. The for not for Pearl or for ourselves, but just for the rest of the audience, that the required minimum distributions, uh, the government wants to get hold of that tax money. You know, that you've been putting money into your retirement funds and it's been growing. And now the government wants you to go into those funds every year and pull out some money. And uh, whenever you pull out that money, that's your required minimum distribution. And they they want you to pay taxes on that. So at 72, you've got to start uh, making required minimum distributions. And as far as the IRAs are concerned, you can be working, non-working. It doesn't make any difference. You've got to take the money out of your IRAs. So there's no there's no <laughs> there's no good news there, Pearl. <laughs> and the other part about it is. But the 401ks, uh, if you're working, if you're still working, and that organization that you're working for has a 401k and you are uh, basically over 72, then uh, you don't have to uh, take a required distribution out of that uh, 401k unless you're the owner of the business or, you know, a part owner. If you own more than 5% of the business, then you're a part owner of the business and you've got to take uh, your required minimum distributions out. But if you're not an owner, you're just a worker, hey, uh, you you don't have to take the required minimum distributions out of that particular company uh, 401k. Now, you might have other 401ks laying around from places that you worked in the past. You do have to take your required minimum distributions out of those, but not the one of the company that you're working for now, unless you're a part owner of that particular company. So that was an easy question. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much, Pearl. You have a good day now. And if you got any other questions, give us a call. The number here is one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. Now. Let's let's talk about some of the things that uh, we're seeing in terms of the economy. And uh, uh, when did this come out? This came out this week. And basically, it's a uh, from the Institute of Supply Management, and they uh, they they put out their number that showed that the service sector. Uh, you know, growth moved up just slightly in, in August and based upon higher new orders, improving uh, employment and easing supply constraints. Well, uh, the way they generate that index is generated by the Institute of Supply Management from surveys of, uh, of uh, managers and executives in the service sector. And the Executives are asked uh, to rate this month versus last month, and uh, for different parameters like uh, uh, how were the new orders? How was your new orders this month versus last month? How about business activity? How about shipments? How about uh, employment? Are you bringing on more? Did you bring on more people this month than last month? But how about your what's your backlog of orders? Is it increasing or decreasing this month? Versus last month. So the Institute of Supply Management then gets all these surveys, all the inputs from the executives, and it has their own methodology, and they 
grind it down, and uh, they provide a index number. And if the index number, an index number of 50, uh, is indicates neutral. In other words, you're not expanding, you're not contracting. Anything less than 50 indicates that, uh, uh, that, the, that part of the service industry is contracting, and anything above 50 indicates that it's expanding. So basically, in August, the Institute of Supply Management service industry uh, grew modestly to 56.9 from 56.7 in July. So it wasn't a big thing. But one of the things I like to do when I take a look at this is uh, read the comments and also take a look at the raw data, which gives you much more insight into just, hey, uh, 56 versus 50 or something like that. Uh, the, the indices that we're talking about are basically uh, mining. These are what you call service industries. You think of service industries, you think of health and stuff like that, but it's much more all-inclusive than that. They're including mining, real estate rentals and leasing, utilities, construction, uh, educational services, information, Transportation and warehousing, wholesale trade, healthcare, uh, uh, finance and insurance, company management, support services, professional, scientific, and technical services. And uh, basically, what you're seeing is everything from A to B. They also include agriculture and also include arts and entertainment. And some of the things that uh, the respondents are saying in their comments, <clears throat> according to the accommodations and food services, quote, we're starting to see some cost pressure relief, and the overall supply environment is getting healthy. Uh, according to construction, uh, their comment was, one of the comments was, uh, some pullback on projects by clients, but activity is still strong for our company. This was uh, this has alleviated some labor availability issues. Generally, there's been improvements in lead time and prices, but uh, longer and higher, respectively, than in 2021. And then the uh, <clears throat> uh, educational services. Supply chain issues continue to significantly extend times for the shortage of materials to build scientific equipment and machinery contributing to the issues. Purchases need to be made three to six months in advance in addition to the normal uh, lead time. And it's, uh, for the higher education industry, it's breaking records for student applications. So. Uh, the the uh, uh, another one says that the supply the supply chain and chain and labor continues to be significant issues. Repair parts are non-existent. Lead times for durable goods are extended, and the less expensive mass-produced products are breaking at an increasing rate. No quality control. The FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, must be reeling because we've seen reporting uh, sometimes almost daily. Uh, I'm concerned that a certain percentage of faulty products are probably, are probably discarded, which adds to the cost of doing business. Uh, this is according to the health department. <laughs> uh, the, the supply, the other one from... Uh, professional and science services, the supply chain challenges affect the portion of the buys that include products and components made outside the U.S. that are subject to shipping delays and uh, and other issues. So that's not science. That's management of companies. <clears throat> the scientific part, COVID is still affecting many businesses. Also, there's a labor shortage and uh, uh, in the professional and scientific services and uh, in public administration, there's lingering concerns about inflation and price increases 
and still have difficulty hiring staff to fill many positions. Well, that's that's, that's basically typical because everybody's having problems in, in, in finding help. So first you have to find the help, then you have to train the help, and then the, the help disappears after six months and goes on to a, another better-paying job. Uh, it's a tough, tough uh, labor market out there in terms of employee, you know, getting getting the uh, economy rolling again. And if you take a look at the details of this report from the ISM in terms of the raw data. What they show is that uh, they'll compare uh, this month to last month. And if, as far as new orders are concerned, 30% said that this month was better, that uh, uh, August was better than July. Uh, 14% said it was uh, worse. Uh, business activity, 28% they said August was better. 13% said no. Uh, backlog of orders increased, uh, 22% said that they were increasing, 14% said that they're decreasing. Uh, new export orders, 27% said that uh, new export orders had increased, 3% said that they decreased. So uh, the, what you're seeing is that uh, in certain areas like uh, uh, new orders, business activity, backlogs, and new export uh, orders, uh, things are looking good. Uh, if you take a look at employment, employment, 20% said it looks better, 22% said it looks worse. So that's kind of balanced out, you know, it's, it's, it's staying static. Uh, supplier delivery show that you still have problems in terms of 21% said that the deliveries are slower, 12% said that they're faster. As far as prices for paying for the raw materials, uh, 49% said the prices are still higher. 8% said that they're lower. So you're still seeing prices going up. You're still seeing uh, delivery problems. Uh, uh, economy, uh, employment is kind of, uh, uh, we're there in terms of employment. We're maybe increasing the decreasing, but it's not a great deal one way or the other. And uh, in terms of the other parts, new orders, uh, backlogs, shipping, uh, things of this nature, uh, we're improving. So, um, uh, but in the overall scheme of things, what we see is that the service sector index numbers basically uh, are coming down. you know, if I take a look at uh, a year ago, the numbers are still strong, but they're, they're, a year ago they were in the high 60s, and that was last fall. And now they're approximately in the 55 to 56 range. So the trend is downward, and uh, uh, which you would expect. You know, the, the idea here is that the Federal Reserve is increasing the interest rates, we're going to slow the economy down. We're going to slow the demand down. So uh, they're slowing. The, the, the economy is slowing. Uh, the most obvious places that it's slowing was in home construction and also in uh, home sales. And that's uh, basically due to uh, the increase of the interest rates. They've gone, the 30-year mortgage has gone from uh, 3% to basically 5.8% uh, today. It'll probably be over 6% by the end of the year. Uh, that's slowing down home construction. It's not having a big effect on commercial construction, though. So uh, the different sections of the economy are feeling the impact so far, but in the, as the Federal Reserve keeps increasing the rates, uh, more and more people are going to start to feel more and more pain from uh, these rates. Uh, like I said before, the uh, consensus is that the next rate increase is going to be a, uh, at the September 20th uh, announcement. It'll probably be three quarters of a percent, at which point the overnight or federal funds rate will go from 
the top of it will go from two and a half to basically three and a quarter. And then the best guesstimates are that the next one in November will be a half a percent. And uh, that'll take it from uh, three and a quarter to, to uh, uh, three and three quarters. And then they'll top it off in December with a quarter. So instead of the overnight rate will end up at 4% by the end of the year. That's just estimates. You know, they, they, <clears throat> the Federal Reserve does not put a number out there until the end of their meeting. And uh, uh, it's basically a consensus number of what they think it should be. So, But hey, uh, they're increasing the rates. They said they were going to increase the rates. They said that... Uh, uh, if you remember, uh, they're looking back at the at the 2070s, or not 2070, the 1970s, where inflation got up to 16%, and the cure for that was uh, Volcker increasing the overnight rates to 20%. So uh, the, the idea is that the Federal Reserve doesn't want to get into that position, so they're putting the brakes on hard and uh, increasing those interest rates so we don't get into a, a runaway inflation uh, condition. So uh, we just have to put up with it until uh, basically they get to the point where uh, uh, this, this inflation, the consensus is that, uh, is that the inflation will go down from uh, wherever it's at, the best expectation, the Tuesday will be announced at 8%. It'll go down to maybe 5 to 6% by the end of the year, and then go down to maybe 3% by um, the second half of uh, next year. So to me, uh, I don't think uh, the Federal Reserve keeps talking about Two percent, getting it down to two percent, but really, I don't think anybody really believes that. If we get down, to, if we can get it down to three percent, I think we'll all declare victory and go home at that point. Uh, the other, the other information with regard to the service uh, industry industries came from the U.S. Global uh, U.S. Services Purchasing Managers Index. And what they showed was a, a kind of a contradictory assessment of where the service industries are. Uh, the August survey data, according to the signal, the sharp and quickly declining of business activity across the U.S. service sector, according to the latest PMI data. The decrease in output and stems from weak domestic and foreign client demand as new orders return to uh, contraction territory, and at the same time, weak inflows of new business led firms to moderate their hiring activity. So, in their case, the the service index uh, went down to 43.7 in August, and it was down from 47.3 in July. So. Uh, I'll give you, I'll lead what uh, Chris Williamson, who is their chief economist, said. Quote, August saw the U.S. economy slide into a steepening downturn, underscoring the rising risk of a deepening recession as households and businesses grapple with the rising cost of living and tightening financial conditions. Uh, businesses are reporting a deterioration in output in order books of a degree exceeded, not exceeded since the global financial crisis, only by what, uh, only by that seen during the initial pandemic lockdowns. While orders are being uh, lost across the board as a result of rising prices and the cost of living squeeze, the steepest downturn is being recorded in the financial services sector reflecting the additional impact of higher interest rates and worsening financial conditions. Job growth has meaningfully, meanwhile, cooled as companies grow increasingly reluctant to expand in the face of falling demand 
and an uncertain outlook, which will serve to further damage growth in the coming months. One positive form of the, <clears throat> the survey was a substantial fall in the rate of input cost inflation, which should help to moderate uh, customer cost price growth in the months ahead. So, uh, two totally different interpretations. And uh, if you take a look at the two uh, uh, reports, one from the uh, S&P Global uh, Service uh, uh, S&P Global Company and the other from the Institute of Supply Management, they do include different uh, service sectors. For instance, the uh, the the global uh, S&P Global Survey, that includes the retail and the wholesale trade. They also include construction, mining, utilities, agriculture, and various government administration, whereas the Institute of Supply Management includes all those things. They include the retail, wholesale, trade, mining, construction, and agriculture, and stuff like that. Uh, so that's uh, that's one of the biggest uh, uh, reasons for the uh, difference in the uh, in results. And we all see that the increase in the interest rates is affecting different parts of the economy differently. And uh, I think when your results from those two surveys, one shows, oh, hey, we're doing fine. We're just... Uh, coasting along uh, where we were before, and the other guy says we're, we're heading for the, the basement. Uh, and I think it might indicate that uh, certain areas that uh, the ISM is including are taking a bigger beating than the area, uh, or the, the other way around. That uh, uh, some areas are taking a bigger beating than other areas. Another thing I Another thing that we have is the uh, uh, the the twentieth uh, and twenty first. The Federal Reserve is is going to have an open market committee meeting, and uh, the beige book was uh, presented uh, published this week. And then what it shows for the Cleveland area is that uh, each each um, bank we have a Federal Reserve bank in. Cleveland that basically covers the, the major portion of Ohio, parts of Pennsylvania, parts of Michigan, uh, Indiana. And what it shows is that uh, for the labor markets, employment increased modestly, while most contacts said that uh, staffing held steady, and nearly a third indicated that they had added to their payroll. As far as prices are concerned, these are uh, basically summaries of, of, the, of the report. Prices in the Cleveland area or the Cleveland bank area, uh, weaker demand appeared to relieve some upward pressure on prices. The share of contact reporting increased uh, non-labor input costs, fell to its lowest in more than a year, although it remained high by historical standards. And several uh, people, several contacts in the freight industry noticed that falling uh, fuel prices helped alleviate overall cost pressures. While those in, uh, in uh, people involved in construction and manufacturing reported <coughs> lower prices for uh, lumber and steel. So it goes on and on. And uh, uh, according to uh, Real estate and construction uh, contacts in those particular areas indicate activity should remain slow and do not expect to see any significant improvements of demand in the coming months. So uh, generally uh, a, a, a downbeat uh, report there. This is Jim McAleese. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. 
21 years ago, a poem was written about the tragedy of 9-11. And uh, the, the name of the poem is uh, Rest in Peace. And it was by Frederick and Mary and uh, Bissot. And the poem basically went viral the days after 9-11. Let me me read the poem to you. And uh, and it goes like this. I am a World Trade Center tower standing tall in the bright blue sky, feeling a mighty blow at my sides. I am a tiring inferno of pain and suffering, imploding upon myself and collapsing to the ground. May I rest in peace. I am a terrified passenger on a hijacked airplane, not knowing where we are going, or that I am riding on fuel tanks that will be instruments of death. I am a worker arriving at my office, not knowing that just in a moment, my future will be obliterated. May I rest in peace. I am a firefighter sent into a dark corridor with smoke and debris on a mission of mercy, only to have it collapse around me. I'm a rescue worker, rescuing my life. To save lives, who is very aware that I may not make it out of here alive. May I rest in peace. I am a survivor who has fled down the stairs and out of the building. To safety, who knows that nothing will ever be the same in my soul again. I'm a doctor in the hospital treating patients burned from head to toe who knows that these terrible images will remain in my mind forever. <clears throat> I'm a family member who has just learned that someone I love who has died. I am a pastor who must comfort someone who has suffered a heartbreaking loss. May I know peace. I'm a boy who needs Waiting for a father who will never come home again. May I know peace. I'm a citizen. I'm a citizen of the world. Losing my television set. Fighting back my rage and despair for these horrible events. I'm a person of faith. Struggling to forgive the unforgivable. Praying for the consolation of those who have lost all voice. Calling for the merciful blessing of God. May I know peace. I am a child of God who believes that we're all children of God and we're all part of one another. And we all know peace. It's a beautiful poem. Did you just stay home and cling tight to your family? Thank God you had somebody to love. You've been listening to Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese of Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. Located at 47149 Bursley Road, Wellington, Ohio, 44090, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc., The materials Jim shares is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of James McAleese and Cornerstone's Consultants, Inc., and not those of Next Financial Group, Inc. Next Financial Group does not provide tax advice. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies and leading industries of the U.S. economy. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price weighted index of 30 actively traded blue chip stocks. To make an appointment with Jim regarding your own finances, call 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.